Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's brand new Flyers Daily for the 23rd of June as the entry draft is now just a few days away, just about five days away to round number one of the 2023 NHL entry draft. Flyers general manager Danny Breer and Brent Flair met with the media yesterday. Talk about some draft things, obviously, uh, with that coming. Also, some other topics were on the table as well. And we had a sit-down with General Manager Daniel Briere. We'll get to that in just a moment. One quick thing I just want to mention before we get to uh, the GM is this. I know there's a lot of reports out there right now on trade bait lists, whether it's Daily Faceoff with Frank Saravalli or other ones. And there's a lot of Flyers names out there, whether that's obviously Kevin Hayes or that's Tony D'Angelo or now we see Travis Konechny, Scott Lawton. Uh, Travis Sanheim, others. And I think one thing just to keep in mind as you go through this and this offseason is that's a lot of names. You couple that with Ivan Provorov, you're looking at six or seven players, substantial players that they're talking about could be involved in moves. And I think what it's doing is it's creating a little bit of an unexpected, unreal expectation because expectations are everything in sports. It's what keeps you sane. If your expectations are that the Flyers were going to trade or move on from 10 players this offseason, I would have said before the offseason, then you're probably going to be disappointed because that's a ton of turnover. If your expectation was going into this offseason that they would move one or two players and get gain assets or young players or whatever it might be in return, then I would say, those are expectations where you have, I believe they'll be met and possibly exceeded. But now we're seeing six and seven names out there in total. And I feel like I'm seeing people going, if these all of these things don't happen, they're going to be angry. And I would just caution you to have that level of an expectation. I don't see that many of those moves taking place. <laughs> it's a lot. It's, it's not speaking like, Hey, Danny Briere's a first-time GM. He can't get a lot done in an offseason. No, no, he can get a lot done. But you're talking about complicated deals, six of them. That's a lot of very key turnover. You're going to have some other turnover. You know, there's other guys, like obviously Justin Braun's not coming back. James Van Riemsdyk's not coming back. Brendan Lemieux probably not coming back. And others. And there's going to be some open spots for guys like Tyson Forster, maybe Elliot Denwyer, maybe Robbie At- Ronnie Adderd, and others. So, just I'm just want to caution you that if your expectation is six, seven players to be moved this summer, and you're going to be disappointed if it's not. Maybe just get the expectation tamped down a bit. There's going to be moves, and this week could be a very interesting week. So, with that, let's get to our conversation. With the Flyers general manager, it is Daniel Briere. I joined him yesterday at Flyers Skate Zone, and here's my conversation. We're with uh, Flyers general manager Daniel Briere in advance of the 2023 NHL entry draft, which will be taking place next week in Nashville. Are you getting excited for very trip? I mean, going to Nashville is always fun, but this is <laughs> this is business, not pleasure. There's a, a, this, all of a sudden there's a lot of people that wanted to join on that trip. They usually don't show up for the draft, but they wanted to come this year just because it was Nashville. Um, but um, very excited about it. It's going to be my my first draft as a general manager. I've been around it the last uh, last few years. Last year in Montreal was really cool because it was back to being live. Um, but yeah, 
also adding us another first round pick so having a chance to pick twice in the first round I, I could feel the excitement just from uh, our group uh, of amateur scouts you know diving deeper in their list yeah. making sure they they tighten them up uh, when, when you only have one early in the draft like we had number seven they kind of focused early on uh, you know on on maybe getting the top 10 right making sure but get a little looser as they go down from 10 to, to 30 because even maybe later because we don't have another pick till 87 but now I, I felt when we acquired number 22 all of a sudden our guys were diving deeper going back to their notes and those players and what they've seen and the interviews and um, so it was actually pretty cool to see that when you were a player were you a fantasy sports guy did you do fantasy football or anything like that I, I that's did, the G that's yeah. like the wannabe GM yeah the fan I've always enjoyed fantasy football mm -hmm. but I've never done it with hockey I never um, uh, you know I, I don't know I, I, I always waited for it to be real to yeah be live um, but that's the fun of it right like everybody mm -hmm. wants to be the, everybody wants to construct a team mm -hmm. and now you have two first round picks and you know going into a draft like your amateur scouts would be kind of bummed if you don't have a first round pick now you got two it's, they got to get excited about that I'm sure yeah, yeah having two this year having two next year going yeah. into it again back-to-back -back years uh, you know it's not just the draft when you're you're rebuilding but it's a big part of it when you're able to acquire um, first-round picks those are usually the guys that um, you hope are going to be part of your core group centerpieces exactly yeah. so you know Cutter Gauthier, um last year was a tremendous pick on on our end um, you know two this year two next year those uh, uh, that's a good group of uh, core guys that that hopefully will be here for a long time um, you know the next part of it is we'll we'll be on our part to develop them the proper way we we like what we've seen from these guys um, even the ones next year we already like them even though we yeah. don't have a name to them um, the development part will be the critical part uh, too of this project when you see how Vegas wins the cup and you know there's a lot of confluence of different events yeah. and factors that go into that but they're a team that dipped into free agency quite a bit trades yeah. you know you end up with a Petrangelo uh, they're a team that was very bold in today's NHL yep. now, they didn't have scar tissue of bad contracts and you know a pandemic also hits very early in their their yep. kind of thing so what did you learn from them winning the cup that there's many ways to build a roster mm -hmm. um, that you can win many different ways you know for years we we had the the chicago blackhawks model but i mean they got to, to pick number one with um patrick kane mm -hmm. very high up with jonathan tave and that was their core along with um duncan you know, keith duncan keith and yeah. brent seabrook that were also you know first round picks and then they you know after that yeah they they got the patrick sharp the marion hosa to, to bolster everything else but uh, it started with their draft picks um you know vegas was a little different uh, you look at tampa bay um you know they had the first picks the high picks with stamkos and henman yeah. kucherov was a late first uh brain point was a third round pick but it was done through the draft mm -hmm. for them as well um but i, I really believe is a combination of both that's that's what I think, um, but there's many ways you can construct a, um, a Stanley Cup winning team. You take notes along the way, uh, but definitely the the Vegas Golden Knights were were very bold in the way they, they built their team and uh, they shrewd. acquired a little they, shrewd yeah, too. Yeah, they acquired guys different, maybe a little differently than what we've been seeing the previous few years. Um, 
you know, you were drafted in 96. I want to say 22nd overall? 24th. 24th? I, I picked you a couple picks early. Um, what's the difference between when you were drafted and the players now? You know, their readiness to yeah. be pros and how they come to the draft. Because it seems like, you know, obviously they're coming more skilled, but more ready in they're a lot of ready. ways, too. That was That's what I was going to say. They're more ready than... than we were back then mm-hmm. um they have a lot more at their disposals um you know they have advisors now they have skills coach they have skating coach they have nutritionist um they have uh, life coaches so it, it's amazing now how you know they're just they're men already when you draft them i remember you know my draft year i was just a little boy still mm-hmm. both mentally and physically um things have, have changed the game has changed a lot too uh because of of that you know, I, I think we started seeing a real twist uh, or turn around the Sidney Crosby time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was, oh, his five. group was when, like, they started taking it really seriously, their preparation, and uh, wanted to get to the NHL as soon as possible. Uh, but because of that, too, you you know, the shift, the guys are, the players are ready earlier, um, but also they're, they're, there's a turn they maybe leave the game a little earlier, not the superstars. But yeah. I remember when I started in the league, I was with the Phoenix Coyotes, and more than 50% of the roster were over 30 years old, yeah. where now you don't really see that. Uh, is is that because of the speed and skill? You know, you can't lose I, a step now. Well, I think there's many reasons. I think, the yeah, part part of it is that physically, yeah. the, the players are more ready at 18, 19, 20 years old. Cheaper. Um, and, and they're cheaper. <laughs> That's another reason why, uh, with a salary cap, you can... You know, trade uh, a player that's you know thirty seven, thirty eight years old, and plug in someone who's nineteen or twenty that makes uh, you know minimal money. Um, I, I think that's uh, another part of it. Yeah, I think part of it too is a lot of those older players. At some point, you get paid for what you did, not paid for what you're doing. Correct. So that's that, easier. It's a big element. Plug in a, a younger guy might have a little less experience, but. Um, a little bit more excited and, and much cheaper. Uh, imitation is the most serious form of flattery, and you saw the Florida Panthers in the playoffs. First of all, you know I think it's interesting because on April 11th, Pittsburgh Penguins lose to the Chicago Blackhawks in Pittsburgh, and that set off a chain of events, Danny. That is pretty <laughs> unparalleled. Yeah. You know, from GMs and coaches losing their job, and yeah. the team that ends up knocking out Toronto. And now Dubas is out. He's in Pittsburgh. All yeah. these things happen, right? Yeah. But the one thing about Florida is they have this player, Matthew Kachuk, that changed so much for them. And now every team's going, we need a Matthew Kachuk. Well, no kidding. But, you know, there's a guy in this draft that has a lot of similar characteristics to Matthew Kachuk, and that is Ryan Leonard. How much do you value that element of just a guy that is going to be a punishing player to play against, intense, He's got a lot of skill, obviously, but he may be a guy sitting there for you at number seven. Well, I think uh, Matthew Kachuk showed how critical it is and how uh, how important it, it is to find those players, but they're not easy to yeah. find. Um, you know, his, his leadership, I was just blown away. The way he willed his, his team to follow him uh, in into this battle that they went through for the last two months. It was... It's pretty amazing to uh, to watch, and um, you know everybody would want a Matthew Kachuk. 
now it's I think it's a little early to to you know to put that tag uh, on yeah, it's a player like yeah. Ryan Leonard, but he's got a lot of intangible that um, teams would would love to have uh, you know and have the chance to see a, a, and develop a player like that. So we don't know how the the, the board will uh, will fall. Um, now I wouldn't be surprised if he even goes before we mm-hmm. even pick. So um, I'm I'm not gonna comment too much on that. Um, where's the pivot point? You know. We know Chicago is going to take Bedard. I think there's a really high assumption that, you know, Anaheim's taking Fantilli. And then you start to get into Columbus, and, you know, they're a team that seems to maybe want to win a little bit more now. So is Michkoff an option there? You know, where there's just a lot of, I mean, San Jose is a team I think that's really yeah. interesting. And, and obviously yeah. Montreal, was it Benson or is it, you know, they're, there's a lot of variables here. There's, this is not going to be chalk next week. Correct. And, and there's the interesting part is because the, the giraffe is so deep and because there's so many different types of player, yeah. that's the, the coolest part, right? Yeah, um, what fits our DNA, right? That, that's, that has to be part of the teams before us. Now, you know, we, we really like where we're sitting. Um, we like those guys. Uh, we have a list of seven, eight players that we, we absolutely love. So um, we feel we're in... A, a great spot, seat. you yeah. know. Uh, we're we're gonna get a guy that we love, so um, it's actually a pretty good spot that we're sitting in. Where's that point where you go? Because a lot of the top players, and you guys, you said best player available, but and you have your list. Other teams have theirs, and they value players differently. But when you're getting into that range, do you go, okay, I'm gonna take the seventh best forward or the top ranked D? You know, mm-hmm. and. and that's hard because they play such a different position. But yeah. if you, if you're talking about a six rank centerman versus a right handed D, like how do you evaluate that? We're trying to look at you know five years from now, yeah. who, who is going to be the most impactful uh, player at that time. That's that's what I asked our, our guys to project. Um, it's not easy to do um, because you know we draft these kids; they're 17 or 18 mm-hmm. years old. There's so many things that can change both physically and mentally. Uh, you know, I, I remember myself, you know, to try to help my, myself understand this draft. Like I look at a young Danny Briere, like we've talked about, uh, 18 years old. I mean, physically, obviously I wasn't ready. Uh, I needed even longer than most of the players at that time. Uh, but, but mentally, I, I wasn't there. Yeah. And, you know, I changed so much from the time I was 18 to the time I was 23. I com- completely changed uh, who I was and how I was going to be as a player. So it's it's tough to project. Um, so we do a lot of research. We spend a lot of time with, with these players. Uh, all our scouts, they go, they watch them, they talk to them, they talk to people around them. Um, the good the good thing is, uh, I would say there's, there's probably eight players that we, we, we feel really good about it in, in this draft. And we might have to make a choice between two that we love uh, at our spot in seven, but it's a good thing. We'll, we'll have a good player. Have you been able to, I mean, one of the greatest elements in sports to find is a winner. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy who just is a winner and he's been, a, like Mike Richards just, he won everywhere. Yeah. You know, at every level. Yeah. And I don't know what that element of his DNA, what chromosome yeah. that is, but, you know, identifying those guys yeah. that, you know, they may not be the most vocal guy, but they just there's something about yeah. them that attaches to winning. Have you been able to kind of pinpoint that at all? But but, but you got to be careful because it, it can be developed too. I feel. Yeah. Um, 
you know, some guys have it. Some guys. It's environment you know, it can help that, right? It's in then, but yeah, and then some guys can develop that if they have, you know, they're given the proper tools. And and sometimes to me too, you you want to look at um, kind of how their their career has gone so far. Have, have they faced adversity? You know, and how do they approach adversity? Or if they haven't faced adversity, um, that's a little trickier. Mm-hmm. But you know, you try to picture them can. You know, can they they get through that? And and if they have it, and you pick the player, you try to give them the tools to prepare them for that. So, um, because I, a lot of those players, you have to realize they they get to the draft, they haven't they've been the best players everywhere they've been for the most part, yeah. and that's that's dangerous as well. Um, but that goes into the second part of um, you know when we acquire those picks, the second part, the development part when we get them the tools and we prepare them for the next step. And to me, that's why we're putting a big emphasis on that with this organization, um, you know, starting with Riley Armstrong and Nick Schultz, who've been around this organization for a bit, but they understand that acquiring uh, Patrick Sharp and John LeClaire, guys that have been through it, have had, you know, ups and downs in their career. Hopefully they can um, help our young guys. Alan McCauley, too. He was a guy that... That's a good point. He, he scored, I think, at 94 goals in his last 105 games in the CHL. He's the CHL Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. I think it's the NHL, but that's not his job there. Correct. His job I, in the NHL is not going not to be to that guy. And I, I played with Alan McCauley at the World yeah, Senior Championship um, back in... I think it was 1997. Uh, he played in 96 and 97. I played in 97 with him. Um, he was a tremendous leader. Um, and, you know, completely changed his game when when he came to the NHL and Ian LaPerriere is is another mm-hmm. one of that Jason Smith is another one of that yeah. so you know the, we have the the people in place uh for our young guys uh, if they're willing to to take the next step and they want to be uh, NHL players I think that's so important to realize that hey, you've been the best player everywhere you've been but you're going to get punched in the face here how are you going to get up how are you going to respond to it because yeah. this is Ian LaPerriere is one of the best yeah you know, example of that. He, he, you dominated the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and you know, turned pro and completely changed his game and became, you know, one of the fiercest uh, ultimate team player you could ever find. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I've said this many times. He might be the best team player I've, I've played with in my career, and wow. you know, these players have the chance to have him as, a, as a coach, a head coach, when when they make their way to, uh, a lot of them their first pro uh, experience you yeah. know Jason Smith has gone through the same thing you know as a defenseman so uh, our players they, they maybe not realize it but they have really good example of players or, or coaches and mentors around them to help them yeah that's why I say tearing it down to the studs and, and losing man it can really put a stink on your body and your sports mentality that you it's really hard to get off um, let me ask you about uh, the position that you're in you know you're open for business I think with the trade with Columbus and LA, the pro Roth deal, you managed to flip something that's very hard to do. And, and that is, you know, that element of having, not being desperate. And now all of a sudden people are coming to you and you've grabbed a little hand in negotiations. Maybe before they thought, well, we can, we can go to Philadelphia. They're making a lot of changes. We can get a sweetheart deal out of there. But I imagine the pro rock trade opened up a lot of possibilities for you. It made the phone ring a little bit more. Yeah, they. I mean, hopefully, made uh, everybody, uh, the other GMs, realize that um, you know 
we, we were serious when we said that we were open for business. Um, you know, and I, I'm really proud of our group to, to have been as creative as we have been. And, and it wasn't, you know, a one-man show. Uh, I've had a lot of help, you know, doing that deal. Um, you know, first of all, you need partners that are willing to, mm -hmm. to, to do also a trade with you. Um, but, you know, on our side, if I just look at our side, because I can't speak for, for the other teams, um, but on our side, the management team that we've had, you know, that Jonesy and I have been building around up in, in this office have been tremendous help. Um, our amateur scout department in helping, you know, talk about a guy like uh, Elge Granz, you know, yeah. talk about him and how he would help. And, um, you know, our pro scouting department helping with, you know, Cal Peterson and Sean Walker coming about, aboard, uh, having them involved in that and how they saw that. Uh, our analytics people uh, coming with the creativity to uh, work around the cap and uh, the retention and uh, yeah, that was a complicated deal. Like you didn't. Just it was it was very complicated. In, Even at first, I, <laughs> I was it was overwhelming. And um, you know, uh, Yarmo and I had been talking about this deal for a while, and it just we couldn't get it to, to cross the finish line. And, and that's when we approached uh, Rob Blake and the Kings. And uh, another cool part of this trade is everybody kind of got what they were looking for. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, obviously Columbus gets the best player in the deal. LA gets some cap space, so they were able to go out and uh, sign different players, and and we get the, the draft capital that um, we wanted. And and because all prospects. three teams are in a different spot in their building or construction yeah, process. Yeah, are. So um, it, it's actually a pretty fascinating trade for us how it went about, but how it, it worked for all three teams. Yeah, you know, I think that if you're a guy at GM that just kills a couple teams on deals and they're really lopsided and you end up on the good side of that, you're a guy that your phone doesn't ring a lot because people go, uh-oh, dealing with him, I could end up yeah. really upside down on this yeah. thing. When you have and one of those deals where everybody kind of yeah. gets what they want. And that was important that's to me. Big. That's important. And I know yeah. we've, you know, I, we, we've gotten some, uh, <laughs> I guess, great marks for, for, for this trade, but I think every all teams did. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I, my goal is not to take advantage of other teams. Um, my goal is... To, to make a good deal for the Flyers, and I hope that I can, our team can provide you know what the other team is looking for. Um, you know, it's not to, to kill the other team. And I know fans are you know, sitting on the other side thinking, oh, you got to go for the kill, but uh, you got to be careful with that. Because, it's a long game here. <laughs> exactly. You, you got to be respectful yeah. of um, the, the, the people that you're working with. In a sense, they're people that I have to face and talk to. Um, so the best deal you, you can break is the deals that work for everybody. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, draft is next week and development camp after that. And it's, it's been a busy time, but I appreciate you taking the time today to kind of always a pleasure fans and uh, best of luck next week. I know it's going to be fun Thank walking you. up on that. It's, it's Are really you making exciting. the announcement? Oh, I don't know. We haven't, we're not at this point. We're still working on our list. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll see when we get there. All right. Danny, thanks for doing this. Thanks, Jason. Always great to catch up with Flyers GM, Daniel Briere. Appreciate him taking the time after his media availability. It's a very busy time of year, getting your draft order in, locked in, I guess, if you will, and where you have players rated with all the information you have available from scouts all around North America, around the world. You know, one thing that we didn't talk about, we talked about it in a prior conversation a couple weeks ago, was Matt Vay-Meechkoff. And one thing that Danny did say in his media availability is that they are setting up a meeting 
with Matt Vemichkov at the draft to have sit down with the young man, have a conversation, talk with him. And Michkov's not taking meetings with everyone. He's he's taking them with teams he feels like have a chance to take him and that, and maybe will take him. So he's not going to, you know, just take a meeting with the team that's drafting 15th overall because he doesn't think he'll be there at that time. And so he's focused down his meetings, and it looks like the Flyers will be one of those teams that will be meeting with him. We'll see if he's there at 7. Don't know if he is or not, uh, but we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but that's good to hear that the Flyers going to do their due diligence. Ken Hudikoff is their KHL scout, has spent some time with him, and obviously had eyes on the player quite a bit. So we'll see where things go when it comes to Matchvay Michkov. He's a big X factor in this draft. All right, before we get out of here, I also have another conversation I want to play for you guys because I had a chance to catch up with Susan Larkin from Independence Blue Cross. Of course, the New Jerseys were unveiled the other day. We got our first look at the road whites and the home darks. And the sponsor on them is Independence Blue Cross, IBX. So I had a chance to catch up with Susan Larkin from IBX to talk about the partnership with the Flyers, and here's that conversation. It is a special Friday edition of Flyers Daily, and joining us on this episode a couple days ago, the Flyers debuted the new era of orange jerseys. They are beautiful. From Independence Blue Cross, uh, we've got Susan Larkin. She's the Executive Vice President and the President of Core Markets, and she joins us on this episode to talk about this partnership with the Flyers. Susan, how are you? Great. How are you today? I'm very well. Oh, man. The, the New Jerseys, they came out. Let's get your first thoughts on the, the burnt orange and the New Jerseys and how they look. Oh, the jerseys look fabulous. It was so wonderful to see the jerseys last night with the burnt orange and the Independence Blue Cross blue logo. It was fabulous. When you see, you know, your company's logo on the jersey, this is the first you know logo on a Flyers jersey. When you see that, what's your reaction, you know, knowing that Independence Blue Cross has so much history steeped in Philadelphia, starting back in 1938 here in Philadelphia and has served the Delaware Valley and, and all over the nation. But as a, as a Philly company to be partnered and see that logo on the Flyers jersey, what was that reaction like for you? Well, first, I really just want to start by saying that we are so excited to help usher in the new era as the official health insurance partner in the Philadelphia uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers and the exclusive home jersey sponsor. So first, so excited to even um, really be that official uh, partner. But seeing the jersey, it's so exciting to Philadelphia institutions coming together, similar to the Flyers. You know, we have a rich history in the region and have been part of the fabric of the community for a long time. And like the Flyers, you know, we serve the region with pride, with respect and loyalty. You know, that's the interesting thing to me, because, you know, you had the Ed Snyder Utaki Foundation, which obviously is supported by uh, the Flyers organization. You have the Flyers, originally the Flyers Wives Fight for Lives Carnival so many years ago. And now this, the, the Flyers Carnival, which happens, uh, it's back, which is great and, you know, benefits so many great charities in the Philadelphia area. And Independence Blue Cross, so involved in the Philadelphia area. So why, why is it so important for these two, you know, mega names in Philadelphia and you know, corporations and, and entities to support each other with this partnership? Well, I mean, I would say we both organizations are just so committed to the to the community. And from I mean, as a health company, we are focused on the well-being of those in the communities we serve. And that's why the other reason this relationship was so fabulous, because this is an opportunity for us to include health and wellness 
um, to our members, to the fans. So, so this is this is about not just dealing with something um, when something goes wrong. This is about health and wellness to try and mitigate when things may go wrong. That's absolutely correct. I mean, as an organization, I mean, we are true. We love our we love our members, and we are committed um, to really focusing on that well being for those members. Yeah, so much of your health depends on how you live your life and to prevent problems from ever arising as well. Um, you know, I, I did learn that the patch design mirrored what the Flyers did with the uniform. It honors tradition, but it also brings in a modern era. It's, it's really what the Flyers are all about right now is respecting the past, the tradition and the history, but paving a new path. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I would say, well, first off, one of the exciting aspects of being the Jersey sponsor was the fact that they really were bringing the past and the future together. And quite frankly, that's what we did. We've got the Independence Blue Cross logo representing tradition, and we've got the IVX that really represents the future. It is our digital persona. It was part of our 2022 campaign. And it was really exciting to bring together along with the same, you know, the same approach that the Flyers took, really bringing both organizations together on that jersey. And I imagine that another part of that that you share with the Flyers is, you know, that that approach of collaboration, because with the, the varied many departments of Independence Blue Cross, you've got to have that collaboration and you, frankly, you got to have collaboration with your health as well. We absolutely do. And so, again, very excited to be in the partnership for that collaboration. And when we think about that jersey, I really do want to acknowledge our team. Colleen Caffinall, who is our senior vice president, senior um, marketing, chief marketing officer, excuse me, and our talented in-house graphic design team really worked very hard with the Flyers and the NHL to get that look, bringing in the past and the future on the jersey. And I will tell you that when we saw the jerseys last night, it was so exciting to have the players model the jersey and see how powerful it looked on the jersey. Um, last thing for you. Uh, we got the preseason schedule here on uh, on Wednesday. And the Flyers' first home game of the preseason will be on September 30th. We're looking forward to the regular season. We'll get that date here coming up very shortly, probably first week of October, around the 10th or so. Uh, but seeing, you know, seeing the players model the jerseys, cool. Seeing the players on the ice in equipment playing an NHL game in the jersey with your logo on it. Is that going to take it to a whole new level? I saw the jerseys. The jerseys are, I like them. I like the black number. I like everything about them. And I go, yeah, they look great in the pictures and everything in the videos they put out. But I want to see them on the ice playing a game. I can't wait to see that. Oh, I can't wait to see. I cannot wait to see them on the ice. Um, we are really excited about it. And, you know, last night was just so fabulous. And, you know, I have to say, I wasn't a Flyers, I wasn't a hockey fan, right? I was not a hockey fan before last night, but I am so excited for September and watching the um, the, the Flyers. Well, you're Always a Philadelphia a fan, but I just had never really been interested in hockey. And after last night and going through this process with the Flyers, they now have a number one fan. Well, you're now hooked. and, and I'm now and, hooked. I can't yeah. wait to uh, go to the games, not just to see that IVX uh, logo, but to really see the Flyers perform. 
You know what? I love that because this is how the sport gets hooks into people. It, it, you get there a different way, but then once you go to a game, you're done. It's over. Well, last <laughs> night, just sitting in the seat in, in the stands with the fans and the questions and seeing the excitement and how excited they were for, um, you know, the changes that the team was making, I was inspired and I definitely are going to be there in September and can't wait to uh, to attend as many games as possible. Well, it's going to be a great ride. You can visit IBX.com. Uh, that's where you can get more information on Independence Blue Cross. Susan, thanks for doing this so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, the partnership with the Flyers, the first Jersey patch partner of the Philadelphia Flyers Independence Blue Cross. Thanks for doing this. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks to Susan Larkin for taking the time to join us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Can't wait to see those jerseys on the ice coming up in late September as the preseason will get underway. Everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. We're back Monday with Bill Meltzer on Draft Week, so we will join you then for a brand new episode of Flyers Daily.